All right, let me hear your wish list this morning. What do you want for Christmas this year? Oh, you brought me coffee? I wanted coffee right now. Look at that. That was my Christmas wish. All right, what is, what's something on your Christmas list this year? Health. Health? Good health. Amen. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I was going to be a little bit silly this morning, but that went serious. That's good. Thanks, Corey. In all seriousness, thanks. So say that one more time, a little bit louder. Friendly, forgiving, and faithful. What an amazing goal. What an amazing prayer request to ask for Christmas this year. That's awesome. Well, God, we pray your spirit give Corey strength, Lord, on this journey of faith. Pray that you would uh, continue to inspire him with these, these dreams and these goals, oh God, to become more like you. And Lord, may we as a church, now that he has said it out loud, oh God, would we help him, Lord, on this journey? Would we hold him accountable, but Lord, would we continue to encourage him, Lord, and bless him as uh, he strives to be more like you in these ways. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what else? Let's, uh, let's go. Let's, maybe, it's, maybe it's something fun. Maybe it's something silly. Maybe it's something serious. But what's something you're looking forward to this Christmas or would like for Christmas or in this next year? <laughs> that will be at the banquet next Sunday if you're not working. Katie, come on over. Awesome. And if you're working, we can maybe bring you some too. I hear Greg's bringing cranberries. Did I get that right? Is that what you, yeah, good. Sometimes I remember things. Well, here, let me ask you this question. What's something you want, but not something you need? You can, if you're online, feel free to throw it in the comments today, too. But what is something you want, but not something that you need? New set of golf clubs. Now, yes. I'm sure a lot of professional golfers would go, you need new clubs, but depends. All right, golf clubs, what else? What's something you want, but not something you need? Pajamas? <laughs> Unless you're Leland. Leland wears a different pair of pajamas every single night, and then he's got thousands of them on his floor, and then he goes, I don't know what you tell him to get ready for bed. I don't know which ones to wear. That goes to the next question. All right, what else? What do you want that you don't need this Christmas? You're not materialistic, materialistic enough for this. More scrubs. <laughs> More, yeah. 55-inch TV for Bill. I think there's a 46 one in the basement, but that might get mounted to a wall, so. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think I need to preach today because I think we got a pretty good handle on today's topic. But let's, uh, let me ask you this question. Think about your attic. Think about your basement. Think about the storage room in the loft of your garage if you have one. What are something that you already have that you don't need? Everything. <laughs> a 
What is, what is something you have that you don't need? And you can't say your spouse to your kids. Instapot. They're, I don't Elizabeth. yeah. Another football helmet. Oh, yeah. You, you don't need any of those, yeah. So it's, it's funny, this question has been working on our kitchen project downstairs and basement stuff and, you know, like kind of going through what our options are and stuff. And, you know, you can, when you dream, you can dream big about stuff. Like, what can we do? And I'm saying to Greg, you know, maybe we could like move the wall. We could put in an island and going through all this stuff. And, you know, it's a lot of work. And I don't, he didn't say anything. So I knew that it was a bad idea. But um, <laughs> he redirected, redirect. But you, you can easily, and it's, it's, you know, it's fun to dream. But then, but then you kind of dial the dream with reality, right? And go, okay, here's, here's what we actually need, not just what we want. And uh, I think we've done pretty good. We've got some more stuff to get rid of from the basement. But I think we've done pretty good at getting rid of stuff and not holding on to stuff that we we don't need, um, with the exception of the fact someone handed me a box of ancient kids' curriculum, and they said, your church could use this. Here it is. And it's still been sitting in the top of my garage for like three years. Anyways, um, there's lots of stuff in my garage that, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll use this. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> Something we have that we don't need. All right, we're going to read from the book. Of, let's see if anyone commented online. Uh, Katie says she wants another dog for Christmas. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. So, uh, no, Brandon says no, in case you didn't hear that boisterous reply there, Pastor Katie. But uh, we're glad that you... Why? You're not supposed to be in church today. You're supposed to be at home. Anyways... Well, yeah, whatever. Probably laughing. In a minute, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes 4, uh, verse 6 here in just a second. But uh, over the next couple weeks, and we kind of started this last week, we want to talk about the things that matter because uh, the things that matter aren't of this world. And it remind us that this world is not our home. Earth as we see it today is not our final home. Even once we die, they bury our bodies in the ground and they say, rest in peace this is not our final home. This is not our final destination on our life journey, if you will. And so uh, we want to get reminded that heaven is our home, which means uh, everything that we do, everything that we own, we want it to bring honor and glory to God. And I would suggest by the answers you gave me this morning that I probably don't need to preach very long today on this topic about letting go of stuff. You're not nearly as materialistic as I thought you were, but maybe someone listening online or a watch later or listen later will have a few things that will resonate in their hearts and go, yeah, you know, I think I can do a little bit better this coming year. But um, last week we said we need to let go of our distractions. And let me tell you, I didn't want to really share this last week because Pastor Katie was supposed to speak last week and she was supposed to talk about distractions. And then her life and her family go through this moment of losing dad. What an incredible distraction that could have been for us. What an incredible distraction and, and all the things that Pastor Katie, I said to Elizabeth last night, I said, there was a number of like those little things that she was going to do over the next little bit for the Christmas banquet. And I said, I miss those things. So Pastor Katie, we miss you because of the things you do, but also who you are. And I said, um, 
you know, all these, all these little things that, you know, just kind of make things just a little bit better and a little bit over the top, some fun games, all those kinds of things. And they go, we could look at this as a really big distraction and we could get totally sidetracked. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He says, I don't want you to be focused on your mission. I don't want to be focused on what you're called to do. And so last week we said, it's, it's, we need to get rid of our distractions. And it says, the devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. And it says, choose what is better over what is good. Because we can easily get distracted by what is good versus what is better. I didn't show this video, but it's a really fun experiment they did. They gave, uh, they, they put a kid in a room with a marshmallow. Maybe you've seen this one before. And they said to the kid, we're going to leave the room. Do not eat the marshmallow. Don't touch it. Just look at it. And if you can be in the room for X number of minutes then at the end of that time, we'll give you like two or three or four marshmallows. And so they have a little camera and a microphone in the room, and the, the adult leaves the room, and all the different kids come in one at a time, and some of them poke it, some of them eat it, and, and they kind of go through an, this really fun experiment. You can look it up on YouTube. It's, rather, it's a rather cute video. But all of them, most of them, I think, if I remember correctly, do pretty good at not touching the marshmallow. And there's a couple that do. And so, of course, the adult comes back and says, well, I guess you don't get more marshmallows or cookies or anything else because you ate the one. And uh, everyone else that, you know, didn't eat it had the privilege of eating more than one marshmallow. And it's so easy to get distracted by what is good versus what is best or what is even better. And so today we want to live a life that brings honor to God by letting go of our stuff. Because it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. Let me say it again. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. And I would say, based on your answers this morning, we are well on our way in this direction. But the problem is, is everything in our culture screams the absolute opposite. They say, you need more, 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 more. You need to be louder if you want it to be better. You need to have more stuff if you want to be happier. It's the first, one of the first lies that Adam and Eve actually believe in the garden. God says you could eat from any tree that you want except for this one. And then the great deceptor, the great deceiver comes, the great liar comes that is Satan in the form of the serpent. And he says, did God really say that? Did he really say that you couldn't eat from this one tree? And what did they do to eat from the one tree? Because they believed the lie that they needed more to be happy. They needed more to be, to be fruitful. And they, they needed more. And it was the simple lie that so many people believe today. What you don't have is what you need to be happy. That's the greatest lie not the greatest lie, but a great lie that so many people believe today. What you don't have is what you need to be happy, fulfilled, and complete. If you don't believe me, turn on the TV, watch a YouTube video, look at a billboard, and every single advertisement you see will tell you that what you don't have is what you need to be happy, fulfilled, and complete. Is that true or not? Every advertisement you see will tell you, unless it's an advertisement to come to church, because then that one's probably true, but what you don't have is what you need to be happy, fulfilled, and complete. It's the biggest lie that every human has fallen for and believed at some point in their life. 
We grow up believing this, that there's something out there that we need. We need more, 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 more is always better. Now, we absolutely want the best, as we talked about last week. But sometimes, and I believe all the time, more does not always equal better, unless it's mashed potatoes and gravy and turkey this Christmas season, in which case more, 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 more is absolutely better. (laughs) I forgot the stuffing. But more gravy is always better than not enough gravy on the mashed potatoes in Turkey. Amen? How many here, let's pause here, how many here are extremely disappointed when the gravy is absolutely awful? I'm sorry. There you go. You're weird. It's okay. We love you anyway. It's okay to be different. We love you anyway. But it is absolutely so that maybe you need more cranberries. More cranberries will make it better. You and my wife can eat all the cranberries next Sunday. Now, I can remember I was about four years old, and uh, it was Halloween. And how many know every kid would say more candy is better? And not just more candy in my bag, but the more candy I can put in my mouth and the more candy I can fill my belly with, the better. I think I still believe that to be true some days. And I was having a sleepover at a friend's house two doors down. We lived in this townhouse and they were number two. We lived in number four. And I was over at their house for a sleepover and I, had, I ate way too much candy. And I don't know if you know this, but when a kid eats too much candy and there's no room in their belly, it has to go somewhere. And it's up or down. And at this moment in time, it decided that it was going to come up. And so all of that hard-earned trick-or-treating that I went door-to-door to ate it all in one shot, it did not go well for my sleepover that night. Thankfully, the carpet was not there. It was a tile floor in the bedroom for some weird reason at that time in the 90s. There used to, should have been carpet, but there wasn't. But praise God, there wasn't. Because what was inside was outside and it was on the floor. And that was because I thought more, more, more was better. And I would recommend to you today not to do that if you can help it. But Solomon, one of the wisest people, the wisest person in the Bible at some point in his life, didn't end so well, but he started well. He says this in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. He says, Better is one handful of tr- with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toils and chasing after the wind. In other words, it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Why is that true for us today? Because your life, say my life, is too valuable. Your calling is too great and God is too good. To waste your life on stuff that doesn't matter. You that's not bad. I'm surprised you kept repeating. That was good. But your life is too valuable. Your calling too great. And your God is too good to waste your life on stuff that doesn't matter. And Jesus warns us about this. Uh, and there was two sons that were excited about their inheritance. And in Luke 12, 15, he says, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in a, an abundance of possessions. Now, when someone says to you, Watch out! Look out! When Donald Trump was president, all they had to do was yell, Donald Duck! 
What do you do? You, you stand on God. Your eyes get bigger. Your ears go up. You get a little tense and you start to look around. Like, what's coming? What's going on? I remember walking the train tracks with a friend of mine. We were hiking up, up Sioux Mountain and Sioux Lookout. And what you had to do, you had to walk uh, along, the, along the side of the tracks. There was a trail, but then you had to cross the water. And the best way to cross the water is a bridge. The only bridge that was there was a train bridge. And uh, you get in trouble for this now. But, and they give you big fines to do it now. But back then, they didn't care. So we would walk across the bridge all the time, go climb this mountain. And we had a fun time all the time doing it. Living in Sioux Lookout, CN Rail, you heard trains all the time. You didn't, like, literally the train was probably from me to the end of the street was where the tracks were from our house. Our whole house would shake every time a train went by. We just got used to trains. Trains everywhere. Hear the whistle blow, don't even, don't even hear it anymore. Hear the rumble, feel the rumble, don't even notice it anymore. And so one day we're walking back and we're, we're just getting onto the bridge and we have our heads down because we're walking on the railroad ties like this, not wanting to trip. And we're just chatting away, chatting away. And all of a sudden we hear a train coming. Yep, 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 no worries, there's a train. We live in Sea Lookout, there's trains everywhere. And I look up and I said, hey, Matt, there's a train. He's like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm like, no, Matthew, there's a train. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, there's always trains. I said, Matthew, we're in the middle of a train bridge over the water and there's a train. <laughs> And it was like, you know, not right there, but it was close enough. And as soon as that train, he blowed his whistle and we heard the whistle. He looked up and he saw and we just started running back. And then the conductor was laughing at us and everything. It was hilarious at that moment. But it was that moment to go, hey, watch out, pay attention. Don't miss this. This could be dangerous. And Jesus says, watch out, be on guard Against all kinds of greed, life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. The intensity of this warning is obvious. Watch out. There's a personal threat against you. Be on guard. Guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In other words, my life does not or should not consist of my stuff. My stuff should not define or make my life. Getting a new boat, a new car, great fun activities, practical resources, if you will. Those beautiful, wonderful things should not define your life. They should not define your life. You are not what you have. And everything that you see in advertising, everything in culture, everything in media will tell you otherwise. But the truth is, you are not what you have, which also means you are not what you don't have. You are not what you have, you're not what you drive, you're not what you wear, you are not what you own. You are not the stuff that you have. And the lie is, what you don't have is what you need to be happy, filled with, filled with joy to fit in to feel good about yourself. These are the lies that get told to us all the time. What you don't have is what you need equals lie. Someone say lie. So don't listen to it. What if the stuff you have is robbing you of the life that you really want? Better is one handful of tranquility than one of toil, stress, anxiety, chasing after the wind. Perfect time of year to say this message now that all of the Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales have gone and passed. Now that, now that moonlight madness in Scriber and Terrace Bay has come and gone. Now that we've filled the presents and we're going to bring them all here on Tuesday to wrap them up for the people that we some like and some we don't like and the ones we love. And we're going to give them more stuff because we think it's going to help make their life better. It will because the joy that comes with giving absolutely does. 
But the fact of the matter is it's not the stuff that's going to make our lives better. It's the act of giving that will bring improvement and joy to our lives. Perfect time of year, right? We, we, we give all this stuff. So how do we live with one handful living? Someone say one handful living. Handful living. It's a bit of a mouthful. It's not something that's catchy, but it's something that's true. Because a handful of, one handful of tranquility is better than two of toil and chasing the wind. First one here, to live with one hand of, of living. Throw out. Someone say throw out. Throw out like your life depends on it. Get rid of stuff. And for some of you, maybe it really does matter. Maybe it really, your life really does depend on this. Because your life does not consist of the junk you have in the drawer, the closet or the attic or the loft above the garage. I, um, I don't know what it is about the places that we buy, but the first house that we bought in Oshawa, Ontario, we walked down to the basement and it was full of stuff. And this was not a big house by any means. It was full of like boxes of stuff. It was like a family of three living in this really small house, so under- understandable. We went to the garage because there was a garage and we opened it up and it was full and full. Like you could not, you could barely close the door. It was full of stuff. There was a playhouse in the backyard. It was full of stuff. And in the very back behind the garage, there was a little greenhouse shed full of stuff. And the lawnmower was sitting outside in front of it. Tons of stuff. And, uh, we filled it up with stuff after we moved in, and it was all, all gone. But we filled it up with someone else's stuff, so that was fine. Remember that? Oh, that was good. Good story for another. Yeah, our garage actually was pretty empty after, after that. Um, the house we bought currently, they, um, they cleaned the house before they put pictures online, before we looked at it, everything else. And uh, we went to look through the house, and there was a, a, a bedroom downstairs, which is really a storage room with a closet. There's no window, so it's not actually a bedroom, but it's our guest room. If you want to feel like you're in a dungeon, come stay up for a night at our house. If you like no windows and like pitch black for sleeping, you can have a sleepover at our house because we have a room for you. But when we looked in this room, there was no door at the time. It was just an empty room. Well, it wasn't empty. It was just a dark room full of stuff. And there wasn't, we thought there was a bed in there, but it wasn't a bed. It was a bunch of boxes with a blanket over top to look like a bed because they cleaned the whole house for pictures and they had nowhere to put stuff. And, you know, there was good, you know, anyways, it was just full of stuff. And then um, it was one of those things, like you clean out all the stuff and you realize that this was like one of the projects in the house where someone learned how to do drywall and mudding because it's horrible. It's just awful. And so we just put our guests, we painted it, and we put our guests in there and they can look at the horrible drywall job. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. So, anyways, stuff. Your life does not consist of stuff. Matthew 19 has a story for us that we can maybe relate to or understand this from a biblical perspective. But there's a story of a, of a young guy. We call him the rich, young ruler. And in case you don't know, he was young, he was rich, and he was a leader. That's why we call him the rich, young ruler. And... Um, he was an up-and-coming leader. He had lots of stuff, and so this problem with him is the stuff that he had. And Jesus said something to him that Jesus did not say to anybody else that he came in contact with. 
because he knew this guy had a problem with stuff. And Jesus said, what you need to do is when, this, when, you, when you get to this guy, he says, if you want your spiritual life to grow, if you want to experience true joy, true happiness, true blessings, if you want to experience tranquility, this is what you, sir, Mr. Young Rich Ruler, need to do. He says, you need to go sell all of your stuff. Then you need to take all of the money from the sale of all of that stuff and you need to go give it to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven. Now Jesus didn't walk the streets and just call this guy out of a crowd. Though This young guy came up to him and said, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be a part of your kingdom? And this is something that Jesus never said to anybody else, but he said to this guy because he knew that the stuff is what held the attention in his own heart. And he says, take it all, sell it all, give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then you will know what truly matters. Because it's not about how much you have, it's not about how much you don't have, it's about where your treasure lies. You'll have less of the stuff that doesn't matter, and you'll have more of what really does. But the problem was that this guy was so into his stuff that Scripture says when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And we want to land on this story just for a minute and talk about it this morning. Not because it's wrong to have stuff. Don't hear that part of the message. It's not wrong to have nice stuff. That's not what Jesus is saying. Some of us have some really nice stuff. And we praise God for the blessing of having nice stuff. There's nothing absolutely wrong with that. God is definitely for sure a generous God. God blesses us. It's wrong when your stuff has you, though. It's one thing to have nice stuff, enjoy the blessings of God, but when your stuff owns you, then we got a problem. It's wrong when you believe that the more you have, the more stuff you have, is actually what you need to be fulfilled and happy pursuing a bunch of junk because that's what it becomes. Believing that there's something meaningful, something powerful, and something that's going to fill a void inside of you that can, stuff can never fill. Because that void that you have is actually a spiritual void. It's not that practical. And I think, I think given the commentary this morning, I think we got this. But why is it that we hold on to too much stuff? And I'm going to point the finger at me a little bit here. And so... Why don't we give it away? Why don't we throw it away? Here's a couple big reasons why we don't throw away our knickknacks. Why do we have so many dishes? Not my problem. But this next one. Why do we keep so many VHS tapes? <laughs> Thanks, Suri. <laughs> Suri is going to tell us. Hey, Suri, why do we have so many VHS tapes? No. Anyways, why do we have those things? I got a, a cupboard full of them downstairs. I heard once that some of them are worth a lot of money, and then I learned that they're actually not. Only, only the ones that are still originally wrapped in plastic that have like a certain symbol on them from a certain era are actually the ones that are valuable. Who knew nobody wanted to buy my Christmas play from 1996 from when I was a kid? I thought it'd be incredibly valuable. I can't even find the tape anymore. It's somewhere buried in a box of other tapes. 
I have a box in my basement on a wooden shelf full of little tapes from a video camera from when I was in high school, from all the dumb, ridiculous videos that we took. As high no one wants to watch this. I put one on YouTube once. Nobody watched it, except for the people that were in it, and they said that was the dumbest stuff we ever did. <laughs> it's so boring and ridiculous. I can't believe we thought it was worth it. And it still sits in my basement in a box from a shoebox that I've had with me for years and 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 years. I've moved it about, well, how many times have we moved since before we got married? I have carried it with me since high school. It went from Sulik out to Toronto, Toronto to Peterborough, Peterborough to Oshawa, Oshawa to Goderich, Goderich to Terrace Bay, Terrace Bay, 60 Hudson Drive to 8 Timber Grove Court, and it's still in my basement today. Video tapes from a camera that is obsolete. I can't even get the videos off of them if I wanted to. But you never know. Okay, so maybe your issue isn't VHS tapes. Maybe it's the pants in your closet. They might come back in style. They might. Anything's in style nowadays. And if you don't think they will, give them to Mackenzie. She will wear anything and think it's cool. Or Leland. Or Leland. Did you guys see what Leland was wearing today, by the way? <laughs> so we're going to the township Christmas party last night, and Elizabeth's trying on dresses and clothes and stuff, pantyhose, whatever, that's it, and she puts them on, there's a big, like, rip in it, and she's like, why do I have these, and she throws them on the bed, and Leland's like, ooh, I like those, <laughs> and it gets better, and I said, no, that's not how you wear them, buddy, so he goes to his room, he takes off his pants, puts on the pantyhose over his underwear, <laughs> And he was so proud. And it realized that he brought them to church with him this morning. <laughs> Why do we have this stuff just to embarrass the parents? But here's, here's why we hold on to this stuff. One is fear. We might need this in the future. Now... There are two sides to this coin. Because it's, it's good to have silos. It's good to have reserves. It's good to have stuff that you will actually use. A tool shed with a little nut and a bolt in a container somewhere in the garage or the back of the shed. Yes, go for it. You will use that. Someone's going to come knock on your door one day say, hey, do you happen to have this? Yes, I do. And here you go. Right? I'm fixing some old pipe in the basement. Yes, I got exactly what I need because I saved it for such a time as this. But we're afraid we might need this in the future. And I would ask you this question. How many are living with somebody like that right now? My wife should probably put up her hand because I like to hold on to stuff. Don't point at them. Just acknowledge it. Raise hand. Wink if you need to. Children might want it. You don't want it to be a waste. You want to be a good steward of what you had. Now, the problem with this mindset is, is here's the wrong side of the coin. So, yes, there's, there's provision to say, hey, we, yeah, we should hold on to some of this stuff. But here's, here's the provision, is that we don't want it to replace our faith, right? We don't want to hold on to it because we don't trust that God will provide for us in the future. And when we hold on to stuff for that reason, that stuff begins to take the place of God in our lives. 
And I think it's important for us to be incredibly passionate about blessing other people with the stuff we don't need. Now, I'm not telling you to donate your junk to a secondhand store in hopes that uh, somebody, if it's junk, get rid of the junk. Like, don't pass it off to somebody else. Just get rid of the junk. Okay? But if you have something that you don't need that's not junk, bless somebody with it. Pass it on. Be incredibly generous. And maybe if you need it in the future, we're going to trust that God will provide for our needs for that in the future. And this is when I give stuff away that I might need in the future. I'm trusting that God will provide. I'm blessing somebody else today, trusting that God, you're going to be my provider, just like you were their provider through my hands today. You probably don't need too many clothes. I know, like, so here's, here's my problem with clothes, is that I have lots of, like, clothes that I like from my past. Because this shirt I got when I was 12 years old in Thailand this is Northern Thailand. There's elephants on it. It sits on my shelf in the bottom of my shelf with all my other shirts from years ago that absolutely have no value to anybody else. But they're, they're special and they're sentimental. I don't actually need them, but I have them. Should probably get rid of those. Now, I'm a good collector of stuff. My mom found a comic strip one day in the newspaper. I was probably seven or eight years old. And she put it on the fridge and she said, this is Gary through and through. And this is what it said. It had a picture of a kid holding this little piece of wood with a spring sticking through it. And he's looking up, holding up, looking at his mom saying, I know it's not good for anything right now, but I know that one day it'll be good for something. That, is, that was totally me. And unfortunately, that is also my eldest child as well. You go down to their room, and her room is full of stuff she doesn't need that one day she might possibly need because they're special, and it's a collection, and it's really neat. The room is not neat. The stuff is neat, just for clarity. And, of course, the second one is not fear of, uh, that we're going to need it in the future, but uh, the second one, of course, is sentiment, why we don't get rid of stuff. Oh, my, my, my child drew this the first day of kindergarten, and so I must keep this picture they drew forever. Put it in the filing cabinet. I got a filing cabinet from things the kids drew in Sunday school. Daddy, I drew this for you. It's so special. I love you so much. How do you throw that out? Filing cabinet. Filing cabinet. One day I clean out the filing cabinet, it will just go and it will disappear. Now, Christmas ornaments are different. My, I will go to Thunder Bay on Christmas Day, likely, and I will go to my grandmother's tree, and she will more than likely, without hesitation, she will take me and my kids over to the tree, and she will pull off this, this hand-colored Santa Claus that she drew when she was in grade one. My grandmother is 93 years old. And she's got this snowman that she drew, or the Santa Claus that she drew when she was in grade one that she puts on her tree every single day year. I have Christmas decorations that I made in kindergarten. My wife doesn't even let me put them up in the house anymore. It's made of glitter. It's made of glitter. It's made of pine cones. It's made of cardboard. It's a wreath with pipe cleaner. And you know what is fabulous about it? Is that there's still popcorn stuck to it. I'm 33 years old. I made it when I was five. I think we can get rid of it. It's hiding in the basement with a bunch of junk under the stairs. 
but we hold on to things because we think we're going to need them in the future, so we hold on to them because of fear, and two, we hold on because of the, they're sentimental. Better is one hand of tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. So, number one, if you want to live with one handful living, throw out like your life depends on it. Number two, buy less. Pretty straightforward. Did you know that 62% of people admit to shopping in order to cheer themselves up? Having a bad day? Let's go buy something. Let's go buy something big. Let's go spend lots of money that we don't have to feel things that we will never feel, to feel significant, to impress people we don't even like. It's because they believe the lie, what I don't have is what I need to be completely satisfied. Psalms 119 says this. Cause my heart to bow before your words of wisdom and not to the wealth of this world. Help me turn my eyes away from illusions so that I only pursue that which is true. Other translations say, or turn from meaningless things. God, help me turn my eyes away from illusions so that I only pursue what is true. Buy less. So full of the goodness of God that I do, do not need things to help me feel better about myself. What a great place to be. I am so full of the blessings of God. I'm so full of the, the things that really matter that I don't need more stuff to feel better about myself. I don't need things to define who I am because Jesus defines me. And this is why we go with experience over things. Someone say experiences over things. We are living that out this weekend. Very much so. My mom said, what can I get the girls for Christmas? We said, we don't need more stuff. And she says, well, there's this play in Thunder Bay. Can I take them to the auditorium? And can we go have a night together? Can they sleep over? Yes, absolutely. Because experiences over things matters way more. And so this afternoon, we'll drive to Nipigon. We'll meet mom for lunch. And we'll pick up the girls. And we'll drive them back. And then they'll be tired because they stayed up way too late. We'll argue about putting away clothes and doing laundry. And we'll have a great experience as a family together that way. And it'll be good about putting away the things they don't need. But experiences over things because I'd rather spend time with my wife than have her buy me something else that I want that I don't need. And I love buying stuff that I don't need. I love having things. Did you see some, did you see some of the cool things you can buy on Amazon? You could buy everything there. I bought a dehumidifier for the church basement and it works. And it's downstairs right now full of dust from Patrick and Greg. It's awesome. Experience over things. And number three, it's very simple, give more. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, young pastor, seasoned leader Paul says to Timothy, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of this life that it truly is life. Notice he says he doesn't command 
He doesn't command them. He doesn't command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. He just says, be generous and willing to share. You can't force generosity, right? I mean, the government can tell you, we're going to tax the rich people more. That's not generosity, though, right? That's not generosity. That's just law. That's something I have to do. If I have to do it, I'm not generous anymore. But if I do it because I want to be giving and I want to live a life that truly matters, then I will be generous for the sake of God, not for obligation. And so Paul doesn't say to Timothy, he, doesn't, he, says, he says to command them, but he says, command to do good. He says, if you really want to live a life that matters, this is what you have to do. Because it's not about the stuff that you collect. It's not about the wealth that you have. It's not about the things you don't have. It's about being and relying exactly on God for our hope. Less of what doesn't matter, more of what does. Um, I don't think any of us have an emotional buying story. Oh, it was so sad, and I went and bought this beautiful new coat, and I bought this beautiful new fishing rod, and I'm so happy. We probably rarely tell those stories, but you know what stories we do tell? And, the one, and, and honestly, if you tell me that story, I don't care. <laughs> No one wants to hear that story about how you bought a new rod because you were upset about the last fish that you didn't catch. Right? No one wants to hear the stories of your emotional buying problems. But you know what the stories they do love to hear and the stories they get repeated, the stories they get shared, the stories you read thousands of years later from books and scripture are the stories of, those, of someone giving away everything they had. The stories of, of uh, a child saying to his parents at Christmas time, I remember our, our kids' pastors growing up, they did this with their boys. They watched a program. I think it was actually uh, it was something to do with World Vision. And they just, they just wanted to say, here's the perspective, the global perspective. Here's a bunch of kids, and they might be lucky to have a cup of water and a bowl of rice this Christmas. And that was, that was the story the boys watched. And they, they said to mom and dad, they said, hey, you know what? We don't want Christmas presents this year. I said, could we, could we collect some toys? Could we collect some of our presents? And could we give to these kids and make sure they have a meal this Christmas? And so mom and dad, they did. They went and returned all the presents. I think they left one present for them to open under the tree kind of thing. Someone else heard about what they had done and what the kids had said, and they actually went and bought their kids presents so that they'd have something to open as well. And then in addition to that, they said, you know, we're going to give to this cause, and we're going to give to that cause. We're going to make sure these kids have something to eat this Christmas. And it just snowballed from there. Those are the stories that we remember. Those are the stories because they're living a life that truly matters. They're investing in a life. They're doing things that really matters. They're not collecting stuff, stuff that doesn't matter. We remember the stories that involve less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. And if you have a real big problem with that, remember that this world is not our home. The stuff you are accumulating on earth, we cannot keep. We need to be investing in heaven, which we can never, ever lose. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much that you believe in what is better, that you believe in what is good, and you want what is absolutely best for our lives. And God, we know today that generosity never fails. God, that our trust in you to provide our needs as we are generous with those around us, Lord, it will never fail. Lord, we know that it'll help us to live a life that truly matters. It'll help us to focus on what really matters and forget about the, the things that don't. 
God, for those who need to hear this this morning, who will listen later, who will watch later, who will hear it from one of our mouths as we talk this week, Lord, may they know without a shadow of a doubt that, Lord, there's things in their life that they need to get rid of. Lord, for the fear that, that holds us back, that, doesn't, that means we don't want to, to let go for the, the sentiment and the nostalgia of God, the stuff that's taking up space, God, would you give us the courage to let go? So we'd heard from our kids today, from her Liara, just say she was brave today. Lord, may we have the courage and the bravery to get rid of the stuff we don't need. And God, for some of us, if it means sending back the Christmas presents we bought because we needed more stuff, God, would you give us the courage to do that? If it means giving those presents to somebody else, would you give us the courage to do that today? And Lord, maybe for some of us, we just need to get rid of the stuff and bring it to the dump and just get rid of it forever. Because, Lord, it's a barrier between us and you. It's holding us back from our relationship with you. God, help us to live a life that truly matters. Help us to focus on what really matters and ignore the stuff that doesn't. Don't let us believe the lie that what we don't have is what we need. Because, Lord, we know that with you, you are more than enough for us. Following you, no matter how hard it is, doing what is right, even when nobody else will, Oh, God, it's an investment in heaven. It's an investment in our future. And, God, it brings us pure joy right here and right now. We don't have to wait for it. God, it brings us fulfillment. Because, God, our calling is too great. Your love is too strong. And, God, you are too good for us to focus on the unimportant. Thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.